The Daily Rios, episode 421. Musical Monday on Jesus Christ Superstar Live. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, I'm recording this episode on Monday, April 9th, 2018. Most likely I won't release it until Tuesday, but still, it's the return of a musical Monday with some quick thoughts on the live broadcast of Jesus Christ Superstar, which aired on Easter Sunday. You can give a quick thanks to Zelfred G. in San Francisco who wrote on Twitter uh, around the time that the live episode or the live musical aired and said, any chance for a Jesus Christ Superstar live review or brief impressions episode on the Daily Rios? I guess sometimes it's just that easy. Just ask me (laughs) to do an episode on something, and sometimes I actually do it. Uh, I know there are a lot of people who don't follow me on Twitter, but what I like to do with these live musicals on TV is do a tweet storm. I just live tweet while I'm watching it, throwing out random thoughts, non sequiturs, um, you know, general impressions that make sense if you're watching along with me. But uh, for this episode, uh, I'm going to give all those thoughts, but I'm going to expand a little bit more because otherwise it's not going to make sense. And of course, by all means, follow me on Twitter, Peter J. Rios, if you want to hear or read some of my thoughts, Um, I'm pretty active on there, even if I'm not podcasting all the time. All right, so Jesus Christ Superstar Live. The executive producers, two of them, are part of Storyline Entertainment, Craig Zidane and Neil Marin. They were behind the Hairspray movie in 2007, the Chicago movie in 2002, the Smash TV show, and of course a lot of other TV and movies, and they are some of the major players behind a lot of the live musical versions that we've been getting, such as Sound of Music, Peter Pan, The Wiz, Hairspray Live, and uh, coming in 2019, Bye Bye Birdie, and A Few Good Men, which is a play. So, unless they turned that into a musical, which I I don't think they've done that yet. You can handle the truth. No, I don't think that'll work. Anyway, um, also, Mark Platt is another producer that was behind this live event, and uh, he was part of A Christmas Story Live and Grease Live. He's part of the movie Mary Poppins Returns. He was also a part of La La Land, Into the Woods, those movies, and also Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which I thought that was cool. There's a little bit of a comic book connection there. And he is also listed as one of the producers for Rent Live, which is another upcoming live musical version. He's also the father of Ben Platt, one of the actors in Pitch Perfect, and uh, the main actor in the Dear Evan Hansen musical, or what I like to call White Boy Whining. Um, So we have some people who are familiar with musicals, whether it's through Broadway or TV or movies, so that's pretty cool. And then, of course, the creators, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. The director of the musical was David Laveau, 
and he directed Fiddler on the Roof, a revival in 2004, which starred Alfred Molina, Dr. Octopus, uh, from Spider-Man 2. I had the chance to see that revival, actually. It was beautiful. It was quite well done. It wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be, but it was pretty good, and I actually got to meet Alfred Molina at a party afterwards. And then David Laveau was also the director for The Revival of Nine in 2003, featuring Antonio Benderes and Cheetah Rivera. So another person who is familiar with uh, musicals and the arts. The choreographer was Camille A. Brown, and she is behind the choreography on the recent revival for Once on This Island, which is getting rave reviews on Broadway right now. Production design, the person in charge of the sets and the overall look of the show, was by Jason Artizone West, where he wanted to create an ancient damaged fragments of a chapel held up by scaffolding, which makes sense if you think about, if you watched it, there were a lot of murals all over the place. The basic design of the set had that kind of feel, so that's pretty cool. Apparently, the musical direction was by Nigel Wright, who was a frequent collaborator with Andrew Lloyd Webber. And the whole thing was filmed at Marcy Avenue Armory in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. The person who did the live TV directing, the camera directing, was Alex Rudzinski. And a lot of his credits fall into reality game shows, reality variety shows, including a long stint on Dancing with the Stars, which really explains a lot when I think about how they filmed this live event, when I think about how the cuts and the edits uh, maneuvered through certain musical numbers. Um, you know, there wasn't, <laughs> we didn't last long on one camera frame. And when I think about Dancing with the Stars, yeah, I can see where that uh, type of filming came into play with his musical. And sometimes it was fine, and sometimes it wasn't so fine. So I believe I read somewhere where they had upwards of 12 cameras, maybe more. And both directors worked together during the rehearsal process to make sure they were getting the correct angles. And during the live production, there were one or two camera switches camera switches that left me saying, whoa, what was that? That was weird. Okay, we had about 50 actors and dancers in the cast. We had a 32-piece orchestra in this, which is pretty amazing. The orchestra was great. Andrew Lloyd Webber was barely in his 20s when he wrote this musical, so... For such a young sophomore composer, um, I do like the show. I think I think it's one of his better works, and I think it's powerful. And the story that he wants to tell is interesting. It was a perfect match for Easter Sunday. I'm certainly not the most religious person in the world, but I, I understood the imagery, especially at the end of the musical, and how it could resonate with viewers and... They took chances with some things, and I really appreciated that. Now, some of the comments I've been seeing is that it's the best live musical to date, and I sort of think that the way the musical was constructed, this whole rock opera, um, lends itself to the type of thing that they want to do with these live musicals, because it doesn't have to be specific. We don't need certain locations. 
we just need a generic set and a generic stage, and then we can bring in small, you know, chairs and planks and scaffolding, and we can fill out the rest. So, uh, yeah, it, it is really good, and it's really well done, um, but I feel like it's different. It's different from the other musicals. I still think Grease was one of the better examples of how to do these live musicals in terms of moving your camera around, moving your sets around, um, the way the cast came together. The cast was pretty strong. Um, and both of these had audiences. So that's been a major criticism for a while is that we're watching these musicals, but there's no audience reaction. Uh, there's no applause at the end of musical numbers. So Greece had an audience. I think Hairspray might have had an audience as well. And they incorporated that audience. And certainly Jesus Christ Superstar being the, the way they uh, shot it and the way they set up the stage, you could see that the audience was on three sides, I believe, or at least two sides. So the audience reaction helps as well. All right, so your major cast, we have John Legend as Jesus Christ. We have Sarah Bareilles as Mary Magdalene. Brandon Victor Dixon as Judas. Alice Cooper as King Herod. Norm Lewis as Caiaphas. Ben Daniels as Pontius Pilate. Jason Tam as Peter, Jin Ha as Annas, and Eric Gronwall as Simon Zealots. Now on Twitter, my initial predictions before seeing uh, the live musical, and I didn't watch any trailer and I didn't listen to any music ahead of time, my initial prediction was this. Alice Cooper will kill it. The secondary, ca the secondary characters as well, such as Simon Zealots and Pilot, etc. John Legend and Sarah Bareilles will be fine as a choice for this particular production, but most likely will be carried by the rest of the cast. And you know what? I was more or less correct. I think the side characters, the secondary characters, were very strong. The MVP for the night was Judas, was um, uh, Brandon Victor Dixon as Judas. He was amazing, both vocally and acting-wise. You can tell he has a lot of strong theatrical background. He was a replacement in Hamilton for Burr, for the character of Burr. Um, ben Daniels as Pontius Pilate, a strong uh, British actor. Also, I think he's British. Also very, just did a, a great job for that part. Vocally, he kind of blew himself out at the end of, of um, where he has to uh, hit those high notes at the end of his part. Um, but his acting was great. Also, his costume was amazing. I loved his costume. Norm Lewis as Caiaphas, really good, really strong, kind of an understated part, um, but you need someone with that kind of presence. Um, Jin Ha as Annis was very good. I, I really appreciated his part in this production. In fact, the scenes with the high priests, I think, felt like they were the strongest in the entire show. Um, they were well blocked, they were well rehearsed, they were sung well, there was a lot of acting involved, and most most of those those times it involved Judas or Jesus. Um yeah, I really I really appreciated those scenes in in this production. My favorite song in the whole show is is the Simon Zealot song, and while the actor did a fine job vocally, I felt the choreography was not quite up to the level of what I wanted it to be. Um if you ever watch the movie, if you watch Jesus Christ Superstar, the movie, the number, the Simon Zealots number in, in the movie is fantastic. I, I don't remember the choreographer right now, but 
um, I don't know, there was just something lacking. There was some kind of visceral energy that was lacking in that number for me. Especially when you think about by the end of that number, Jesus has to be a little bit standoffish. He has to be a little bit put off by their reactions, hence the the name Zealots, right? I mean, this is where we get the very concept of zealotry. So um, I felt like it, it needed to ramp up, and it, and it really didn't. All right, so let's talk about the big two, John Legend as Jesus Christ and Sarah Brows as Mary Magdalene. Now, vocally, both of them were fine. They made choices that... Um, they made choices that made sense with the instruments that they have, you know, the vocal instruments that they command. I think John Legend at least tried to hit some of those Jesus notes, and, and in one instance he did. And in other instances, such as in the song Gethsemane, um, he tried, he didn't succeed, he went flipped in falsetto, or he optioned to another note. And it was another number that didn't quite have the energy I feel that number needs. And then Sarah Bareilles, I uh, I feel like she squandered a lot of the power that the character of Mary has in this musical for what Andrew Lloyd Webber wants to present with that character. I thought her choices were very safe, very bland. Um, it 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 wasn't it it just it wasn't there were it wasn't good. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. She was fine, but it wasn't a rock opera performance. And she may not have the the energy and the instrument to do that, but I feel like it could have at least been acted better. I, I just felt it was very flat. Maybe some of that had to do with she was relying on the camera work, um, close-ups. I don't know. But when you have someone like Brandon Victor Dixon as Judas who even in his quieter moments, was very powerful. Uh, I just didn't buy Sarah's performance. And also the chemistry between John and Sarah was non-existent. Some of that I, I lay at John Legend's feet. He's not the strongest actor, and it, and it showed in this production. Again, there were moments where he really got into it, and there were other moments where I felt he was um, he was going through the acting motions but wasn't committing to them, so... That's unfortunate, but it didn't, um, it certainly didn't squash what I liked about this musical, and I could kind of look past that, and like my prediction, I could rely on the secondary characters to beef up the, the bulk of the acting work. I was impressed that they got Act 1 done within the first hour, but then they stretched the hell out of Act 2 with so many commercials. I mean, that musical could be an hour and a half, and I felt like Act 2, they just didn't let the, the pacing of the show go. They kind of, it just was interrupted way too much. Um, there were two scenes that got a little bit of criticism, or maybe people questioned why they weren't so clear. One of them was when they do the 39 lashings um, while Jesus is strung up, and while he's standing in front of Pontius Pilate. And the other one is Judas's hanging when he hangs himself why they weren't so clear. And I feel like, look, there are a lot of younger viewers who are probably going to watch this, and certainly the hanging, because of what's going on in, you know, bullying, uh, Facebook Live, there's been some incidents where people have uh, caused harm to themselves on Facebook Live. Just 
seeing, even if you saw his feet, even if you saw, I mean, you saw him tie up the material together, so you could kind of infer what's going to happen, but I understood their option of not wanting to show the hanging and not wanting to show a body even. And then the way they did the 30-line lashings, um, they had people run by Jesus and strike the big cords that he was attached to, but there was nobody actually doing whipping. But if you looked in the background, uh, there were people that were taking paintbrushes and slashing um, red marks on the word Jesus that was spray painted on a wall, like graffiti. So that, And then what they were doing was taking paint and just slashing every time he was supposed to be lashed. And I thought that was effective. That's theatrical. You know, I made, that made sense to me. So um, one of the other numbers that is kind of like the big 11th hour number or the big number that's, um, that everybody remembers from this musical is Jesus Christ Superstar, the, the number that Judas sings in the second act. Um, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be dancey. It's meant to... Um, get us away from the, you know, it's a little bit of a downer in the second act with everything that's going on with Jesus. So they throw in this big dance number. Now, in the live musical, what I thought they did um, that made me think it was an odd choice is they didn't include Jesus in the number. They were, they put him to the, you know, side of the stage and were ready to string him up for the ascension at the end. And suddenly this number had nobody for Judas to focus on. So um, there's a couple ways you can interpret this number, Jesus Christ Superstar. The way that I interpret it is um, while Jesus is being put on the cross um, and while his life is slowly fading away, he has a vision. He has a vision of the future, and it's a vision where he's trying to find the answer in the question of, did all this matter or will it matter? What will it do? And in the vision, Judas is there because he's dead and he's trying to answer it for Jesus. So if you listen to the lyrics, the lyrics get way modern where he says things like, you know, if you would have come today, you could have reached a whole nation. Israel in your time uh, had no mass communication. So it's meant to be present day and it's meant to be almost like a, you know, an admonition to Jesus for letting the situation get out of hand or for letting the situation happen at a time where it wouldn't be effective. So to not have Jesus there, I don't know, I think took a little bit of a power away from that song. And it was certainly, you know, a well-done song. It was sung well. It was presented well. But the story narrative, I had a couple students when I talked about this show where they asked me, they said, what was that number about? It didn't make sense. It sort of came out of nowhere. Um, I didn't talk about Alice Cooper. I thought he did fine. There were a lot of people who thought his part was boring in the show, but that's kind of how that number is. It's just like a, again, it's kind of, it's meant to be levity. It's meant to light the situation. It's kind of meant to be musical, the very musical theater. Um, I think maybe what they could have done is gone full blown Alice Cooper in, in what was going on around the two of them. And instead of the showgirls, which is very traditional, they maybe could have thought of a different angle for the number. Um, but I thought he was fine, and it was kind of fun to see him, even if uh, even if he didn't really do too much. And I uh, also have to talk about the ending. First of all, that shot of him being raised on the crucifix and then, um, you know, 
getting pulled back away from the camera and that whole wall just opening up in the form of cross was very powerful visually and just a great theatrical device. I'm so, so, so glad that they then didn't have him being resurrected. So at the end of this musical, some of the versions I've seen, mostly in community theater and regional theater, when he's crucified, um, you know, the music ends. If, if you if you watch the musical, you hear it just sort of trickles out and trickles away, and then that's it. Well, then what they do is they bring Jesus down from the cross, they put him in the cave, and I've seen versions of the show where they do some kind of lighting effect, days past, and then he comes out all in white, and, and then he raises up into the, the fly space of the theater as if he's being resurrected, right? And I feel like that's not the point of this story. It's not about the resurrection. It's not. And when I say story, I mean what Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice wanted to do. That's not the point of it. <laughs> so I'm so glad that the musical did not do the resurrection. That's I was like, thank, thank you. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. I had a lot of fun reading people's Twitter feeds about it. Um, one of the funniest comments I saw was something like, "How, how do I?" always lose my keys. How can I never find my car keys? But here I am 30 years later, and I still remember every lyric to Jesus Christ Superstar. And I think that's true. I think it's one of those musicals, certainly for me when I was a kid, that I absorbed quickly. And I, I was singing along with it I, I you know, while I was watching it because it was that much fun. And um, I feel like, so in the future, we're supposedly supposed to get Rent. And I feel like Rent Live should take a page from this musical and try not to um, create so many sets. Just keep it open and let them do what they did on Broadway and just kind of conceptualize the whole thing and just enjoy the story and the music and and don't try to make it like the movie and try to make everything so set-specific. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if other musicals after this benefit from the success of this musical. Uh, I saw one review that called all of these live musicals a fad. I think that's very short-sighted. I think that's not... Um, they're not fads. I, I mean, we they used to do musicals on TV all the time back in, you know, the 50s and 60s. And, and um, it's not a fad. I think it's something that is very relevant and could inspire the next generation of musical theater kids. If I was a kid, I would definitely be watching all of these musicals. You know, I was someone who grew up on Grease the movie or Saturday Night Fever the movie and Footloose and Fame and Fame the TV show and Soul Train and, you know, American Bandstand, you know. So if kids these days want to grow up on these live musicals and So You Think You Can Dance and, um, uh, you know, The Voice and, and Glee and, and Rise and all of these shows and TV shows and movies and whatever – that are about performance and about the arts, that's okay. And we have to embrace that. I embrace it as an educator because that's what's inspiring them. And then it's my job to kind of discuss the, the, all of these things with them and try to get their heads around, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what are some of these reality shows, what are some of the pros, what are some of the cons, um, and make sure that they know that it's all about process and progress and the work and not about immediate glorification and instant, um, you know, instant acclaim and appeal, et cetera. So, 
So I find value in a lot of this stuff, and um, I look forward to more of these live events. All right, so let me know what you thought about the musical. You can reach me at peter at This has been The Daily Rios, episode 421. Feels good to be back. I'm not going to promise anything about a next episode, but I have, you know, I have plans, and uh, I'm no longer, uh, I'm not directing anything at the moment. Um, I'm just doing school, so I have a little bit more time. We'll see. We'll see what uh, pops up in your feed uh, in the next week or so. All right. Talk to you soon.